Welcome to another edition of the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, sponsored by Buzz and Sounds Recording Studio. My name's Matthew Turner. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm joined as ever by my four co-hosts, Anthony, Aaron, Ryan and Martin. How's it going, boys? Yeah, great. So good, Matt. Could be better, could be better, could be worse. I'm not sure how it could be worse, but here we go. Right. Today's episode, we're going to go through some uh, news. We're going to go through talking about Matt Patricia and get it out of the way before talking about Lions at the Packers on Sunday. And then we'll look forward to our next episode. So a bit of news to start. Adam Schefter of ESPN reports that Kenny Golladay is expected back for week three and God knows we need him. Uh, the Big Ten is back in college football. First games kick off on October 24th. Notably, Michigan State at Michigan on Halloween. It's a blue moon, which means that's the second full moon in a month, which happens once every 19 years. So that's going to be a special game on a special day. Um, it's been reported on Twitter that there was some split in the back office between who was going to be picked in the draft, whether it's going to be Akuda as the uh, GM might have wanted, or Derek Brown as apparently the uh, head coach wanted, or Isaiah Simmons as apparently the uh, team wanted, but that has been dismissed resoundingly by Matt Patricia. And finally, the running back Jonathan Williams has been released. He was signed to the uh, squad as some cover. No surprise that with the running back room actually being one of the position teams actually doing okay for the Lions at the moment that he has gone. That is the news roundup. And as any of you boys have seen anything additionally, no, we're going to move on then. Seen, yeah. Sorry, say again. So I know which news I haven't seen yet that I've been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> and that is preempting our chat here. So I'm going to throw this over to Aaron. We're going to talk Matt Patricia and possibly Jim Caldwell as well. Right. Well, let's start off with the let's start off with Patricia because I think this actually leads into. Uh, it leads into my my comments about Caldwell, um, and be, bear in mind I'm not gonna come in. I'm not gonna bag on Caldwell. I know that I like many Lions fans. I have so much respect for Jim Caldwell. Um, no no bagging on it. Uh, so don't shut off now, just so you don't have to wear me back because uh, you're not gonna wear me bag on Caldwell. But go on. I know that there are at least two people in this room right now who have very, very strong feelings. Um, Ryan or Martin, who wants to go first? Let, let, speak now or forever hold your peace on this one. Um, well, we'll definitely speak on this one. I mean, you know, the Jim Caldwell one, we have to get over that. I mean, you know, it was a disastrous decision. But at the end of the day, I, ain't got, I think I mentioned this last week, I ain't got a problem too much with the sacking of him, simply because if you're a GM of, of any football team, you need to kind of be failing with your own guy. And we're definitely doing that right now with Matt Patricia. We're failing, you know, 
unbelievably bad. I mean, the the record, he is officially now, uh, after the same amount of games as any other line coach, the worst on record, 11 straight defeats, set a record of four consecutive games with a double-digit lead. Now that we've lost, we're on track for this season, although it won't happen. I've even done some homework and written this down. We're currently giving up 6.5 yards play, um, you know, uh, 7.4 the other day against Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, we weren't even seeing Aaron Rodgers at his best the other day. Um, you know, so it's getting on to currently going up a run defense of 204 yards a game. That's on course if we carry on, which I doubt it's going to hit this much. But then again, the longer Patricia's in, it's going to hit to 3,264 yards. We're going to give up on the ground this year. So um, I think it's obvious me and Martin are going to hammer him today and he deserves it, just like the rest of Detroit are hammering him. Just thank God that a lot of these people over there that I know very well um, don't have to pay to watch that crap this year and can suffer like the rest of us at home um, in front of the TV with a beer. And I had plenty of them the other day. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot more that I'm going to hammer on Patricia because, uh, you know, as usual, I get sidetracked. But, you know, it's um, it's just atrocious. And, and I, I wasn't sure how you felt, actually. I mean, we're going to hear probably from Martin next, but I want to know what you felt, Aaron, because, I mean, how have you changed your opinion from last week, you were quite defensive of him and supportive. And I understand what has your opinion actually changed on how uh, how this shit show is currently going. Um, right, I'll answer that question because I could just I want to give I can see Martin's face here. I want to give him a second just to just kind of wooster. Um <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I'm defensive, not of Patricia himself. I'm defensive of the situation that we're in. Um, and I, what, what I see is, is a situation that sacking someone a game or two into the season will not make anything better. Um, and I still stand by that. I am not defensive of Patricia right now. I can, I, I, I'm confident in saying that right now he's not our guy. Um, I was very, very angry with him uh, on, on Sunday, but we'll get into why the, when we go on to properly review the game. Um, so in general, I've lost a lot of patience with him, but I still stand by the decision that sacking him two games into a season won't make anything better. Martin, how are you feeling? Go on, Martin. Go on, Martin. <laughs> one, of the, one of the worst, I mean, there's so many stats that are appalling at the moment, aren't there? But the one that sticks out for me is, that, and Ryan mentioned it, 11 straight losses going back to last season. Third worst in franchise history. And bear in mind, we had a 16, an 0-16 season. He's won four games on the road in total, um, 12 defeats. Caldwell was 15-17 as his record. I know you're going to mention that, Aaron. But it's his coaching, you know, that I think needs a, needs a hammer in here. The penalties on Sunday, that's coaching. The The... Not picking Aquara despite him being healthy and it being a position where we needed somebody on Sunday. Third round pick, that's coaching. Letting a fifth round pick go and play for the Eagles, that's coaching. It, it, it just is so, so far from, from where we need to be. And the, 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 most, the biggest concern for me at the moment is it isn't getting any better. It's getting worse. 
it, this week is worse than last week. And yeah, we can say injuries, but Packers had injuries in key positions as well. That defense is nowhere near where it needs to be. The depth is nowhere near. It's been exposed really quickly um, with a couple of injuries like we thought. We feared it may do. That defense just can't get it done. And that's that's his the, three years in the and five years for Quint. They are their players. Um, we're we're not even competing. Sunday we didn't even compete. We I was not confident one one bit after it after it got to 17, 14 at halftime. I I don't know if we made another stop in the second half. I don't know if that defense made a stop in the second half that I can remember. The penalties. The, they gave up 488 total yards. It's just appalling, appalling to watch. It's so predictable as well. It's predictable now on the offense, like we talked about last week. The defense, we knew it wasn't, wasn't going to be able to pull off a stop. The, I mean, the, the shit show of the start of the second half was just beyond belief. I almost turned it off. It Just... You know, the 75-yard run, backed up by a pick six, just, I don't know. I, I don't know where. I, the, the thing is, let's be honest, he isn't going to be sacked. He isn't going to be sacked this week. He isn't going to be sacked next week. He isn't going to be sacked the week after. If we go into the bye week, 0-4, which I fully now expect that's exactly what's going to happen, What? where do we go then? Is that is that the point where we say, okay, enough's enough? Because I don't see a winnable game now until... Maybe week six. Yeah, I think it's chance. I mean, on the preview show, we're saying the Jags are, are a lot of shit, and you know that that's a, that's a win there. I look at their their two first two games, and I, I think I can't see us going well and winning now. So yeah, I felt like you start to, you start to worry. Is, is this this looks like you know unless we get a grip of this fast, this could run away with us and be a, a really horrible season. Yeah, Anthony. I. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Anthony, Anthony and Matt. Wherever you standing on him? Where are you? Because I, I know that you guys have been a bit. I think I've probably been the furthest on the opposite side. I'm not totally polar opposite to where Martin and uh, and Ryan stand, but I've been probably much closer to the opposite side. In probably being a bit calmer, being a bit, uh, being a bit more wishy-washy with it. But I know that you guys have have probably been a bit closer to my end than than theirs. How are you feeling after, especially after Sunday? Where do you stand on Matt Patricia right now? You, you want to take it, it out? Um, oh. Yeah, sure. Um, fine. If we're talking about Patricia, I'm probably more into Aaron's way of thinking in as such that it's completely the wrong time to get rid of him we are two games into a new season it's for me the problem stems back to last year I know when we first started this podcast and we were chatting about him I mentioned I mentioned that I don't think we should have kept him on after last year the signs of regression were there and if you can't lose faith with him so quickly if you've given him this third season then the hierarchy aren't going to suddenly lose faith in him now because it's just gonna it's gonna be an indictment against them as to the decision they've made, um, he, he does need to go. But it, it, it's what do you do in um, in absence of him? I mean, there's a few mentioning some of the um, 
the coordinators may be taken over. But if we want to get someone in, we're going to have to wait till the end of the season. So for now, I think we're just we're just going to have to take it game by game and see what it is. But they're not going to get rid of him yet. But from a personal point of view, I don't want him here at all. I'll discuss it more during the game later. But his tactics are starting to drive me absolutely up the wall now. And it's, yeah, I'm fed up of it on a Sunday, to be are fair. We, are we all in agreement that he needs to go, but we're not in agreement that, about the time of it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. It's just so early in the season for me. It's It just doesn't do anything for you. It, I know you could say you're trying to save the season and that, but the players have spent all summer, you know, I know they've not really had the training camps or anything, but trying to buy into what he's doing. All the new players are here trying to buy into his systems to just then sort of throw that away. And they're still outwardly showing him support at the minute. I think we should just maybe wait a little longer. But I've no doubt the decision needs to be made eventually. But we, like you say, we've got the two games to come, the bye week, and then we've got a few games after there, um, Jacksonville especially, where it's if you're not winning those, then you can justify getting rid of him then. For sure. I mean, I'll try to be quick. I think what with it is, you know, I can understand your point and that, you know, everyone knows how frustrated I've been. And thank God we probably didn't do this on Sunday because everyone, every word would have been an F word and everything and a C word. You know, I'm not a bully kind of guy. I'm late. Like, it takes a lot for me to get riled up. And and this guy is really, really fucking testing me. And and to be honest with you, I've just lost it with him. I've got no patience. But you you guys, we, when we calm down, we talk about it face-to-face on here on the camera and everything, then, you know, cooler heads can prevail. But I think that, you know, what you've got to look at is that, you know, eight and eight ain't going to get it done anyway. I mean, you know, so he's going to get fired even if he manages to get us back to that point, I think. He's definitely going to go. So maybe we are better off sticking with him. And at the end of the day, he's doing a very good job of securing us the first pick of the draft for next year, which I hate even talking about when it's all the way in bloody April. We've got another 14 weeks to go. But I just think, um, you know, for me, if I was in charge of that team as the owner, I would be having to make a change in the bye week. I really would. But, um, you know, especially when we're 0-4, which we will be at that point. Um, but, um, you know, I just don't see where the next win's coming from personally. You look, we all, we all gave us a win against the Jags. And you look at that now and the way they're fighting um, for Doug Marone in Jacksonville is, is admirable and as it should be anyway. And you look at the way that they're fighting and they're performing for Matt Patricia. The fact is they're not even doing it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you know, there's no pass rush. He didn't even need to have his uniform washed on Sunday. It was that clean. So, you know, it's just ridiculous and, you know, sorry, Matthew, I've taken up enough time. So far away, son. So I think I am at the point where I th- he's going to be 95 and higher percent to, to be sacked during this season. Probably not even at the end. I think during it at some point. If we start winning, I reserve the right to increase that percentage or decrease it depending on how we go. If he can miraculously recover us to a winning season. If it's nine and seven, which is what I put before the year started, and that makes the playoffs, then I can see him clinging onto that job by the skin of his teeth. But that means now that we have to go nine and five. And I not not only don't think that's going to happen, but I think it's quite likely that we, we emulate last year and go three and 13. It's just the thing that gets me, and this is aside from 
Sunday because it happened the Sunday before as well. Our preparation for the game, at least at the start, must be good because the first quarter and probably part of the second quarter of these last two games, we've dominated. We've not only beaten the side opposite us, but we fucking dominated them. And then the other side just make an adjustment or two here and there. And we fought to bits. Like, that's a failure of coaching. At the end of the day, you can prepare for the game and to go ahead by double digits every game. But if you can't adjust on the fly, which is probably the biggest hallmark of a good coach, is being able to adjust to what they give you in the game, he has not got it. And he has never shown that ability. If you have a look at his history, last year with the, the, kind of the number of losses we had by one score, you could point at that and say, it was unlucky. I was looking at it and thinking, actually, we've had a good chance in a lot of these games. But the last two we've had, we were winning it easily. And then at the end, we lost it easily. And I, I don't get it. Um, the, the, the reason why we don't get rid of him is because I don't think Bevel gives him anything more than, than Patricia gives him. But the, 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 I would love it if we could persuade a college coach to, to leave and, and come to us mid-season, to get half a season under his belt, to get familiarity with the players so he knows who he wants to keep and get rid of. But I just don't think that's realistic. Anyway, that, that's it from me. The way, so, I, I mean, the way I see it, if Patricia turns it, I'm not saying he will, before anyone jumps on me, if Patricia was to turn it round, great. Why would you stop a coach halfway through turning things around? That's, that's, a, that's even more stupid than sacking them halfway uh, at the beginning of the season when they're doing shit. If Patricia's doing crap and we're there, then at the point where we're going right, right off the season, what's it going to change? What's it gonna, what is it going to change if we're going to lose for the rest of the season? What makes, what, what, why would it be different? And it actually what that does is instead of shuffling things around mid-season, it gives the back office a bit of time and a, there's a, uh, with a bit less and a lot less of the shaking about of, of the franchise, it gives that back office a lot more time to make a calm and rational decision. It gives Sheila Ford and, uh, and Bob Quinn or whoever it is time to look at the next thing without a load of shit going on in the front. If we're going after a new general manager, it gives Sheila Ford the time to think and lay out appropriate candidates without a shit show going on around her. I know that Sheila Ford has been around this franchise for more than three months, she was key in the decision to keeping Patricia on one more year. She was key in uh, a lot of the decisions a couple of years ago around Bob Quinn. But she also seems like someone who won't, she won't take shit, but she also, I don't want her to be someone who jumps around and jumps the gun. I want her to make cool, calm, calculated decisions off the data and the facts that are in front of her. And no one can do that with a shit show in front of him. If she's any good, she knows now that she needs to be planning for, for that because that's going to happen. We've won nine games under Patricia in, in two and a bit years now. To ask him to then turn around and get a winning season with what we've currently got left with that record, I think, 
she will know now he's finished. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. I, I think yeah. if Sheila is worth her weight in gold, she's got a list already. Yeah, if she's worth her weight as an owner, she has a list already. Or she has, she, if Bob quit, and I'm going to put these two together, not as a package deal for this point and this point only. If they are not a package deal, Bob Quinn has to do something to save his job. Because at the end of the day, even as not a package deal, they have to, yeah, Bob Quinn is still in the hot seat. If Bob Quinn is worth his weight in gold, then he has a list or he is compiling a list right now of people that could potentially be available. If they are not, then this will go on for longer and this no longer becomes about a record this becomes about top to bottom again because Sheila Ford is not doing what she needs to do. Bob Quinn has not done what she needs to do. And we've got Matt Patricia at the helm. But I'm going to move on just to me. I won't make one point. Um, I've been on social media quite a lot. Um, um, one of the things we've seen at the moment a lot is Coldwell. Uh, a lot of memes, which some are funny to be fair, but I'm going to make... A, a comparison to soccer. And for those of you who are soccer fans, whether you are English-based or even States-based and know the Premier League, then hopefully you'll know this. If not, um, hopefully you can in some way kind of relate to it, even if you don't know the people or, or the team. I'm a City fan. I support Manchester City and I have done my whole life. 12 years ago, we got taken over by new ownership and their idea was to completely change the club from top to bottom because much like the Lions, they were a shambles from top to bottom. What they did was they built up from the bottom, uh, from the ground up and they hired a manager who was going to take them up a level. Not to the top straight away because it's stupid. They want to build an empire, not a quick thing. This is what the Lions have tried to do. And you know they've tried to do it and you can see it. They've tried to build an empire or build something that's sustainable. To do that, you can't just jump straight in head first. So what happens then is you get a manager who takes you, who's going to take you from the state you're at now to one stage or two stages better and do it appropriately. That's what we did. Then when they've served their purpose, you move on to the next person who's going to take you from that level a couple of stages a bit further up. That's what we did. The Lions so far, up until Caldwell, did it right. Caldwell was the perfect man to take over the job when he did and take the Lions up a level. That is, Caldwell hit his ceiling at, Detroit. That is his ceiling. That's who he is. That was the best he'd get. That's who he was as a coach. He would not take us on to a Super Bowl. He was not going to take us on to a playoff win. <clears throat> he was just going to get us to consistent playoff games. And he served his purpose and he did it. Coach Caldwell was fantastic at that. Coach Caldwell brought a fantastic, brought a fantastic team together, brought a lot of talent in and did his job perfectly. Then it comes up to the point where, right, we're a consistent playoff team and we move forward into what's hopefully a playoff winning and NFC championship contending team. For whatever reason, whether Patricia's blagged himself through the interviews 
or whether there was something there that was genuinely promising, they thought Patricia was that man. And much like as I revert back, Manchester City, we took our manager at the time, who got us up to a very good place, a more consistent place and a better position. We went for someone who then was better. We went for the person that took us over the top and puts you in a position where you are one of the best teams around. We did it. We got it right. We got it absolutely right. And I can sit here today and say that actually on Monday night, Manchester City well turned around my mood. The Lions have got it wrong. But just because the Lions got that next stage wrong does not mean Coldwell would have done what we needed him to do or what we wanted from Patricia. He wouldn't have done. He hit, like I say, he hit his ceiling with the Detroit Lions and we weren't going to get any better out of him. We needed that one step further. Caldwell was not going to bring it to us. And again, as much, res- as much respect and as much love as I have for Coach Caldwell for what he brought to us, he brought us a very tense and incredible first game here in London. Got blown out by the Chiefs next year, but that's another story. What he brought to us was what was needed, but he will not take us to that next level. And I get that right now, being a playoff team is even better, is so far better than what we've got right now. But Coach Caldwell would not have taken us forward any further. And what we need is that person to take us further. We cannot be a, there and there about the playoffs for the rest yeah, of the Yeah, I, 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 I agree got... with the logic of what you're saying. I think that Caldwell had hit his ceiling and I think the decision to get rid of him was a, was a kind of heartbreaking but correct one. I think he'd shown, shown some poor coaching decisions in-game there was something missing with him but I think looking back on it and actually I I know I defended the uh, GM in the previous episode but actually I'm going to lay it on him now and say he probably should be sacked simply for the hire of Patricia and the reason for that is this in your analogy Manchester City did not build they built themselves up from from a very low level to a good level and then from a good level to an elite level I follow that logic. Detroit Lions built themselves up from a bad team to a good level. And then when they took on Patricia, Patricia's idea was we need to build an entirely new scheme and build this up from the ground again. So we went from the middle to the bottom, blew it up to try and blow it up again. And we've seen teams successfully go down from eight and eight to two and 14 to make a run it the next year on San Francisco, probably being one of the uh, better examples of it last year. But the thing with your analogy that doesn't make sense is City just took from where they were and then got better by hiring a few other guys around them and just having a better coach. But we totally blew up who we were as a franchise to accommodate Patricia, and it hasn't worked. And for that, the GM has to go. You know, I think you're always looking for the best that you can get, that what's the best that you can go out and get. And and when Caldwell went, that's what we, we were apparently looking for we didn't get anywhere near we've gone so far backwards from that point that we're now looking three years on to be starting all over again with a new gm probably with a new head coach to start a new scheme and a new way of playing all over again so you're looking another three years down the line before we're in the position we thought we should be in at the start of this year and that's what the frustration is so then you're looking at your franchise quarterback is going to be three years further along. So are you going to have to make a decision about him? You know, you, we're fortunate you've got 
we've got some good young players. You're going to have to protect them. They're going to be in later years of their contract by the time three years' time comes around. It's just been a disastrous decision. And again, I agree with Matthew on this, that Quinn has to go as a consequence of that decision. Yeah, I can't bring in the point. It's not a point in Man City because Man City spent a billion pounds and they went through about three or four managers. They went through Mark Hughes. They went through, you know, all these other people. I don't even want to talk about because people won't even know who we're on about. They spent a billion pounds to get where they got to. And their first step of that project was to get into the Champions League, which they did. I mean, you say about Caldwell. Caldwell took over uh, the Colts and brought them to a Super Bowl. He was 15-1 with the Colts. The next season, Peyton Manning virtually broke his neck and went down for the whole year. And then the poor guy got fired. But, you know, so I don't really get that, to be honest. I get what you're saying about the planning and you thought that yeah, Caldwell could only get us to a certain point. I kind of disagree with that, to be honest. But at the time, I thought it was the right call. But now I don't think you can say that. And then I just, you know, it's he's Patricia and Quinn. Quinn has to go. There's no keeping Bob Quinn and, and, and getting rid of Matt Patricia. They both have to go. So that's why I probably agree with what Anthony was saying earlier, that, you know, we're probably better off just sticking with them for the, long, for the short, you know, for the, for the long term, for the, well, the rest of this season, or, you know, sack them with about five games to go of the season because a few teams tried to get an early jump on people. I agree with what you said, Aaron, as well, that they probably will have people in mind because they've got to be having, you've always got to have an eye on the future for this sort of thing. But, you know, it's, it's a shambles. I, I don't really technically agree with the, with the Man City um, uh, comparison because, you know, you don't have endless uh, picks and all that stuff. You know, he completely and utterly took what we had there in Detroit under, uh, under um, Caldwell and he ripped it apart. And, you know, with Man City, they came in with Arab money and they spent a billion pounds to get into the Champions League. And probably since then, they spent another billion pounds. So, you know, they should be where they are, top of the tree. You know, and, and I, I disagree. I think that we cocked it up and I think people are on to the, to, the, to the New England way that it doesn't work because Bill Belichick's been the GM there and the um, the head coach there for 20 years or whatever. And, you know, no one actually really knows what, what it is to fully do their job properly, I don't think, without having Bill Belichick there to hold their hand through it. So, you know, we'll agree to probably obviously disagree on this one. It'll be interesting to hear what Anthony thinks on it. But, um, you know, I've got, uh, I've got to kind of disagree with you, to be honest with you, mate. Well, I'll, I'll quickly put my two points in before we wrap this up. But um, I'd say... I would agree. I hope that the plans are now in place looking at his potential replacement because I think the next appointment is huge because I like this team we have. Not all aspects of it, obviously, but we have a quarterback who is ready to go. We've got second and third year players, Tracy Walker, TJ Hawkinson, who are coming good. We have a very good sort of layout for a team here and for a new guy to come in. I don't think it's going to take him to or three years to need us to mold us into a good outfit. So if we can just take our time, make the decision right, get someone who's going to utilize the players the best, because Patricia just doesn't utilize Stafford how he should do. We need someone in who's going to play to his strengths, who's going to play to our offensive strength, and we can build the defense around it. And I think in a good, you know, in a shorter amount of time, not over a big project, we can make something special here if we try. So I do, I do really hope that we are putting a lot of thought and effort to this because it's going to be a huge decision for the franchise. Anyway, let, let's move on. All right, boys. So 
review for Lions at Packers. So I'll start off with the inactive list. Uh, again, longer than we might have hoped. Hunter Bryant, tight end. Golladay at wide receiver. True Font at cornerback. Williams at defensive tackle. Jones at cornerback. Big V at right tackle. And a healthy scratch in Julian Aquara, which was a surprise mentioned by Martin earlier. I have a theory on Aquara um, being left out, which was that uh, he was injured for a lot of last year, which is why he slipped from the first of the third round in the projections. If he was injured through the offseason, has only just come back, maybe he's not quite there yet. And given the problems that we've had um, on the O-line with uh, Big V not being available, we perhaps needed a bit more support at the O-line position, and that's why Aquara was replaced. And I'll highlight that in a second. Packers and actives were the guard Lane Taylor, who's on IR and out for the season. That's a big loss for them. Kenny Clark as well, another big loss at defensive tackle. Then Ramsey, a linebacker. Love, Jordan Love with a healthy scratch at quarterback. Nick, um, cornerback Parry Nickerson and tight end Josiah DeQuara. In terms of Aquara, my theory on Aquara being left out, we did have some roster moves just before the game. So guard Kenny Wiggins was signed to the active roster from the practice squad. I think that's probably the reason why um, Aquara was left out. To, he was the person who replaced him. The other ones that we had were two temporary call-ups in the practice squad, enhancing the team to a 55-man squad. That was Kevin Strong, defensive tackle, and Divergent at cornerback. But they will drop to the practice squad again after the game. Looking at the game, 21-42 to Green Bay. We started off brilliantly, as we have done in the previous game too. First quarter, we were up 14-3 with a carry-on Johnson running touchdown and a Marvin Jones receiving touchdown. From then on, it was all Packers. They scored 31 unanswered points to go 34-14 up before Marvin Hall caught a 24-yard pass from Stafford in the fourth quarter and Aaron Jones finished off. If you look at the drive chart, after our touchdown in the first quarter, the second touchdown we had in the first quarter, which came 10 minutes into the game, we then went punt, punt, miss field goal, punt, pick six, punt, touchdown. That is not good enough. Uh, looking at the box score, Stafford, 20 of 33, 244 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. That could be a reasonable score that can win you some games, but it's not going to win this one. Rodgers had less completions and less attempts, even though they were ahead, which I think is surprising. 18 of 30 for 240 yards and two touchdowns. Only a quarterback rating of 89. So actually, Rodgers had a fairly quiet day. That was mainly helped by the star wide receiver for Green Bay, Devontae Adams, going out with an injury and only coming back and looking like a shadow of his former self. Detroit rushed the ball well in the first couple of quarters. We averaged four and a half yards carry, 89 yards uh, through 21 rushes. Peterson had a long of 25 yards and was the leading rusher. We also did well in the receiving game. I said 20 of 30 for Stafford. Hawk was 4 of 4 for 62 yards. Swift was our leading uh, receiver in terms of catches. Five on five targets. So shame you couldn't do it in the first game for 60 yards. Cephas also didn't miss a catch. Three on three for 54. Hall had one for two for 24. And Marvin Jones had four catches, but only for 23 yards. The big disappointment there, Amandola, 
two catches on seven uh, targets. So that was poor. For Green Bay, it was the Aaron Jones show. He led in rushing. He led in receiving. 68 yards of the receiving game and a touchdown on eight targets. In the receiving in, in the rushing game, 18 carries, 168 yards, including the play that probably ended the game. First play of the second half, 75 yards to the house. For me, it was a tale of two halves. I said it before. Um, we played well in the first half. I don't think I went into the first half, uh, into halftime thinking the game was over by any means. But as soon as the ball was snapped in the second half, it was done. Um, we discussed before we went on live that it was a decision on fourth and one where we decided that we were going to give up hope in the game. It was fourth and one with seven and a half minutes left in the third quarter on our own 34 and we punted in a league where increasingly teams are going for it with one to go on fourth and one in your own half. It feels like Patricia's a bit behind the times with where the coaching is going at the moment. Ryan, I'm going to throw it over to you. I think I've not come to you first the last few times on these. So how did you feel at halftime and then, and then at full time? To be honest with you, I just knew the way it was going to go. I mean, it was quite obvious. Would, uh, mean, I mean, I did get a little bit drunk on Sunday. And I think around, uh, you know, towards the end of the third quarter, I was more worried about my bet hopefully coming in than I was like the Detroit Lions even coming back into the game because it was virtually no chance of it. Um, just, to, you know, I, I don't really have a lot to say on this. On this, You know, it's, it's just the same old shit regurgitated week in week out the same old crap can't stop the run you know we're up against some very good players there you, you know don't get me wrong you know uh, thankfully Adams wasn't there you know to do as much damage as he could have but um you know Aaron Jones is a is an unbelievable player and he could do that to anyone of course but you know it's it's um it was just another bad day wasn't it and I just don't see a team that's playing for Patricia so you know, that really, in all honesty, I ain't got much to say. I ain't really got much to add, so you can move on from me, really. It, it was just a shit show. Mine, how about you? Half-time, full-time. I, I don't know about you, but I wasn't that despondent after half-time. I felt like it was going the way that, that Ryan described, but I had hope. I, 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 let's go right to the start. Well, there are two positives from the whole game for me. Uh, number one, Jack Fox is a good punter. I think we've seen that the first two weeks. <laughs> Number two, Aaron Jones was in my fantasy team. Uh, those are the two positives from the foot from this game. Um, I think that, <laughs> that that first quarter, I think we all sat there and thought they actually putting this together pretty well, um, offensively anyway. I think we came out, punched them in the face, um, started with the seventy-five yard drive. The run looked good. Stafford was throwing the ball well. We went 14-3 up, um, and then we got a stop. Uh, we, well, we've got a stop. Um, I think probably one of the only ones we got the whole game, restricted them to a field goal. And then it seemed like the offense ran out of ideas and the defense just lost all confidence. And I think there's no consistency from that point on. Um, and, and really, I don't think any of us, even at 17-14, thought we had we were going to win that game from that point. I didn't. I, I had no confidence at that point because I think not only is that defense physically weak, it's mentally weak. And I think 
they just looked beat from the minute Green Bay went in front. I mean, if you if you go go back to just before half time, with fourteen ten up, Stafford gets sacked when he should have thrown the ball away. Green Bay get the ball uh, in a great position, go down the field and score, and, and that and then from being fourteen ten up, we go in seventeen ten uh, seventeen fourteen down. <sighs> Don't even get me started on some of those in the in the D line. You've got Abushi; he's got his chance because Dahl's injured. It commits a professional foul, absolutely brain dead decision. Then you've got Harris with back to back penalties. Agnew's fair catch blocking uh, on a fair catch that led to Stafford with the pick six, and it just all collapsed from from that point on. We gave away eight more penalties. We couldn't get stops. The the D the D line is absolutely awful. I mean, I know we we had no Trifon or Coleman on Sunday, but Harris, Jesus Christ, Harris, he's absolutely clueless. I mean, I think to be, I think he made one one stop on Jones. Maybe I've got that wrong. Maybe it was Davis actually, um, but. He just is. I mean, I felt for Kuda to be fair because I, I just thought, can you imagine playing with this shit in, on on your debut against Aaron Rodgers? And I just, I, I had total sympathy for him, and I've seen him get some pastings on on Twitter and things like that. And you you can't judge him on, on a game like that. You can't. You can't. It's just not fair. And we've had two sacks in two weeks, which tells you all you need to know about about that. That defense rush is just not good enough, and the depth, like I mentioned before, is nowhere near where it should be. The, you know, that we picked Aquara as, as somebody that could come in and get sacks, some pass rush, and just bullshit decision to leave him out. I know you you disagree with that, Matthew, but we've got a third round pick there, not as a healthy scratch. We've got a fifth round pick given away to the Eagles. It's just, I, I just. It's the same frustrations every week. You just don't know where this team's going and there's no consistency in it. Um, you, you're hard scratching around for, for positives after this because it, it just had that feeling of inevitability. Every single time Green Bay had the ball, we would either give a penalty away or they, they, felt, they felt so comfortable to run it on the fourth or pass it on the fourth down. You know, they, they knew that they were going to get the ball back every single time because we just could not stop them. And I, I mean, I mean, I'm, we're not getting on to next week yet, but Christ alive. I, I don't know what that's going to look like. It's going to be another long Sunday evening, I think, particularly with the late kickoff for us. But yeah, I'm struggling for positives, I'm afraid. And I really wanted to try and find some. Well, that's, right, man. No, there's, there's not a huge amount of positives on there. I might come to a couple to, to round the segment off, but Ant, how did you feel on it? <laughs> yeah, um, like everyone else, there's there's a lot of frustration there. I mean, you know, two divisional games to start off getting roundly beaten. I think that's nine straight games we've lost in the North now, which is unforgivable, really. You know, the reason we get laughed at all the time has been the basement of the division, and that's why. But looking at the game, there's a few points I took away Um Number one, our offense, we are really, really missing Kenny Golladay. Uh, we said at the start of the season, or I did anyhow, that our offense is going to be key to how well we do this year. But unfortunately, I didn't realize at the time how much of an impact Kenny has on that because you could see, especially in this game, the lack of a deep threat 
the lack of a guy who was able to create separation, get down the field to get us moving. I mean, the amount of times you saw Stafford looking around the field. And I mean, he had plenty of time to throw. If we're going to go on to positives, I'm going to talk about the O-line again soon. But the amount of times he was trying to find a man and no one was getting into space. I mean, no more apparent than the pick six. He's stuck in his red zone. He's looking around desperately trying to find someone to throw at and he throws that crazy pass to Amendola. I think it is. Um, Because there's just no one available and Kenny does that so well. And in his absence, Marvin Jones is not a wide receiver one. He gets a bit more attention put onto him. He just... He isn't his usual effective self, and it just affects the flow of how everything goes. So with us unable to put, you know, as many points on the board to be as effective as we want to be, I think it's 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 been huge, especially in these first two games. Now, I know he's coming back next week, so hopefully we're going to be able to see a bit more of a fluid, fluid attacking game, and we'll be able to put up some more points because we're going to need to against Murray and the Cardinals. But... Um, yeah, come back to the point of no positives. The O line I was impressed with again, um, especially Jonah Jackson. I mean, he was doing a number on Zadarius Smith, who's one of the best rushers there is. He's he's really impressed so far, and the amount of time Stafford has compared to what he's normally had in the past is you know you can you can see it there. If if people are getting open for him, we're going to be doing a lot of damage to teams. Um, I don't think Stafford had his best game. I think he made quite a few poor choices and it's not often you can say that about him. Um, but I think, for, yeah, for once we can't blame anything else. And he, he had a really poor game there. But I think what did it for me again was it's going back to Patricia's tactics. I mean, conceding that touchdown so quick after half time, and then you're going downfield and we get to a fourth and one with, what, eight minutes to go in the third quarter and he punts that is basically saying to your offense i don't trust you at that point in a game when you're 17 points down especially when you go into somewhere like lambo you have to be aggressive you have to really go for it and really work for your points you don't just give it back to aaron Rodgers because that was one of the points i made last week watching them you've got to keep him off the field and for parts in that first half, we did. He didn't have as much time on the field. He wasn't able to harm us as much. But when we're just giving him the ball straight back for things like that, you're going to concede. Your defence is going to get tired. And that's exactly what they did to us. They did to us in the second half, what they did to Minnesota all the last game. And I say it was just it was just frustrating to watch because you could see what was coming. You could see what was going to happen. And they punished us accordingly and we just lost so convincingly in the end but you know, I know it's it's easy to say now but I still do see some positives in there now that Golladay is back I think we're going to see more of an emphasis on the attack and I think we're going to be able to stay in games and the defence I mean if you take if you take Harris's penalties out of there the rest of them and Abushi's one the rest of them did okay considering the injuries we've got but I don't know. I'll pass it on now because I've rambled a bit, but yeah. All right, Aaron, last last couple of bits on this. Yeah, my patience with Patricia wore totally thin when I felt like after that, um, primarily through that second half when I thought we just stopped. Um, I really did. I felt like, I, I just, I felt like this team, it, I did not have any hope for us even. 
dagger time was not on my mind at all in any way, shape or form. I did not think we were going to get our, put ourselves in any position to be in dagger time. Um, and I thought actually going back on one thing I will say, which was great about especially the Coldwell era was that I've, I've mentioned it before. A few years ago, going into if the Lions are losing going into the fourth quarter, 90% of the time you bet your house on them winning the game in the end. Now you see the Lions winning going into the fourth quarter and you'll bet your house that we're going to lose it. Um, I just, I don't, I did not see the, I didn't see the fight. I didn't see the, the, the effort. I didn't see anyone trying to take the game by the scruff of the neck. I just didn't see it. And that's where I lost it. And I do think that that a lot is on, is on the coaching that the team weren't up for it. They weren't. They weren't up for it. They weren't. They weren't going for it. Positives I saw. Uh, Kerry on Johnson looked really good in the first quarter. Uh, it was great to have him back. Um, great to have him back and not injured going out of the game. So happy with that one. Um, and yeah, other than that, I agree with Martin. Jack Fox is one hell of a punter. Um, Absolutely, to the death, I agree with Martin on that one. Great punter, um, and that's that's where that's where I think that's that's how I'm going to finish off my my thoughts on the game. Uh, I, I wasn't happy at all. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best game we've ever played. Um, I'm just going to wrap off this segment by borrowing a bit from Jeremy Reisman of Pride of Detroit. He wrote an article on the MVPs for Detroit from the game not that there were many but I just thought it was interesting to go through just to see so number one was Frank Ragnow I know that we've not mentioned him but PFF grades he is the second best center in football at the moment 86 for this game it's a back-to-back 80 plus performance created rushing lanes especially in the first quarter the lines are rushing four and a half yards of carry this season, and he's been leading the line there along with uh, Jonah Jackson, as was mentioned by Ant. His second pick was Jack Fox, which is not a surprise given that I think we all think he's been great. The reason that he's been great is he's had to punt a lot from deep in his own half, but that doesn't detract from the fact that he has the highest, uh, sorry, he has the third highest punt average, but he leads the league in net punting yards. So he's the punt average is 52 but the net punting yards is 51.3. That means that he is kicking it far and he's kicking it high, which is excellent. He is the PFF's number one punter by a long way. So, you know, hopefully he can continue that form in a team that's playing better and that might actually help us. His uh, third choice was TJ Hawkinson, four catches, 62 yards. He looks very reliable. He's ninth in receiving yards in 2020 from his position. So, that's promising. The only criticism I have of, of, it's not even really criticism of Hawk at all, but criticism in general about him is he's not being used enough. When your team is struggling, feed your tight end. Uh, final pick was DeAndre Swift. Only five rushes of 12 yards, so not great on the ground, but in the air, five for 60 is a great week, really, especially when the catching was his problem the week before. He has answered some critics there. So, it's not much in the way of positives, but it is a little something. Just one more thing to add, and I didn't really want to say it, but I think we've all seen the record on Twitter. 
the Detroit Lions have a new NFL record. Everyone celebrate. Um, it is the first time in NFL history that a team has lost four games in a row when they have won, uh, when they have led by double digits. So I think we can all bask in the glory of the first unwinning season and that particular record as well. Uh, anyone got anything else to add before we wrap the show, boys? I think a positive. I don't think we will get a double-digit lead Sunday to blow. So that's a actually, <laughs> I did. I did want to just mention on that. So um, our next pod will be dropping probably on Friday. We're going to preview the Cardinals game. I know that maybe one or two of us might not be able to make that pod. So I just wanted to give five minutes for a word or two each on how you're feeling on the game. No more than that, because we'll do a proper pod on it. But how are you guys feeling about the game? I know it's not that positive, but let's do it. Another loss. Simple as that. Kyle Murray's playing lights out football. So he's going to be very difficult to stop, other than probably Josh Allen and, um, uh, you know, Russell Wilson. I don't think that is probably a harder quarterback. And that includes Mahomes and even Jackson. I think that, you know, them five are just playing elite football at the moment. Our defense can't make a stop to save their life. So unless there's, you know, they have the, their wheat bix that morning, I can't see them doing anything to stop that. Um, you know, really, really talented um, Cardinals uh, offense. So that's it, really, lads. Martin, I know you've kind of said about it, but yeah, well, I think. Um... Fortunately, this might be my first correct call of the season, but bear in mind uh, pre-season predictions anyway. So um, I might get might well get this one right, probably not, probably not the margin, but I agree. I think Kyler Murray's playing some great stuff at the moment and it's not a time you want to be going there um, and, and coming up against him, particularly with confidence in that defence as it is anyway. So, But you never know, we all live in hope, don't we? And we'll see what happens on Sunday. Aaron, how are you feeling? Um, I know I'm going. I, I know what I'm going to get for this. Um, <laughs> Section. Like go to, on, Aaron. Go on, Aaron. Go with us. Go on. I like to live my life on the positive side. I'm not someone who likes to uh, go about my life with negativity. But Kyle Murray scares the shit out of me. Um, he really, really does. I think he might kill our defensive line and potentially retire a couple of our linebackers, um, given the opportunity. He, he, really, he really scares the shit out of me, and they've got one of the best receivers in the league as well, to add to that. Um, I, saw, I saw something before about how losing to the Cardinals is a real test of where we are, because if we lose to them, we're worse off than last season. And while in a way I agree, at the same time, the Cardinals just seem like a very, very different team this year. They are very good. Um, so I, I just can't, I can't see us winning it. Um, but I'm not going to go with a bit. I'm not going to go with a big loss. Um, I will go with about, say, eight points, nine points. Um but I just I can't see I can't see us turning it over and I can't see us staying in the game if Kyle Murray turns up like I think he will do and players like Buddha Baker turn up like they can do. I don't think we're in for a good one. 
Just to remind you, Aaron, you picked a 12-point win pre-season. And after that, I'm not going to let you apply. I'll just throw it over to Ant. <laughs> How are you feeling? I know you're a big Arizona fan. I know you're a big Buda Baker fan as well. How are you feeling on the game? You know what? Purely from a game perspective, I'm really looking forward to this week because, yeah, like you say, I am a Cardinals fan. At the, well, I'm a fan of what they're doing. I'm a fan of the way they're going around rebuilding that organization. The decisions they made, the decision they made to get Kyler Murray was a brave but very genius one on their part. The weapons they've put around him. It's just such a great dynamic offense to watch when it's in full motion. But um, in terms of the Lions' chances there, it's, I'm not going to say any more about the defense. It's, we're going to concede a lot of points if that offense is on point, like it is, that's been said. The only way we can go there and win is if we go there and we play fast, aggressive football because where the Cardinals do come unstuck, and in both the games they've played so far, they concede their points when an offense is moving quickly. Just for some reason, they can't seem to deal with the tempo when it gets too fast. It's going to be a gunslinging match, basically. And it's just going to be an issue of who's going to score the most points. Um, you, you might be able to do it on your day. I mean, Murray's one downside at the minute is some of his throws can be a little errant. He is prone to still the odd the interception, the odd pick, whether the defence might be able to take advantage of that or not. I think it might be a good day for Jeff Makuda because there's a lot of deep throws in there if he's anywhere as mobile and, you know, to the level he's meant to be, I think he might have some success against their receivers and may be able to make a difference for us. I think I did have us winning there by seven. Um, not going to say that we are going to win this one. It's, as I say, it's more going to be in hope. Um, but I am looking forward to the game. I think it should be very fast. You know, a lot of points put on the boards. Uh, I hope we win. I do, because I don't want us to tank this season. I don't want us to have to have a poor season. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel you, man. I, I had us winning by three. I feel like losing by three would be a good result. Um, it's just one of those. The thing is, so uh, Jeff Okuda is going to have an hopefully a healthy week and that's going to help if Golladay's back he's been injured for two weeks so I I am not going to rush to say that actually he's going to make a big impact with his first week back I I think as a neutral observer it's going to be a fun game the one thing about Stafford is he hasn't shown that he can actually be a gunslinger so far this year I still think he's suffering with a a hangover from last year's injury and he's he's a shadow of the MVP caliber player that we saw at the start of a the start of the year last year um if there's no more lads i'm gonna wrap up uh okay aaron you go for one more um i'm just want to bring this one up and actually it's a little bit of a look at uh, again looking back at the packers as i've made it very very clear um tracy walker is my defensive player to watch uh, safety snap counts in week two. Duran Harmon took 100% of snaps with uh, 73 snaps. Uh, Will Harris uh, took 49 and Tracy Walker took 39 snaps this week. Um, <clears throat> 53% of the snaps in this game. Um, and I mentioned, actually, it just reminds me, and I think I can pro probably bring it up a little bit more in the next one. Um, he's got to be looking at Buddha Baker after the contract that Buddha Baker got 
and the stats that Walker has been putting up in comparison to him, Tracy Walker's got to be looking at earning big money. Um, and I think this could be a battle of two very, very good safeties that I think Buddha Baker will come out on top of. But I really hope to see Tracy Walker more in the next game, uh, more in the game against the Cards, and see him actually turn it up because he's in direct competition for a very good contract. Yeah, I, I just want to see the offense running with Galladay in it to see if to see if sort of it returns to well. When you've got him in, as I say, you get your deep threat back again. Jones has less coverage on him, which means we should be able to see him start to produce a little more than he has before. TJ needs throwing up more plain and simple. He's not dropped a thing this year. He's, you know, he's coming on leaps and bounds and you've got to use your players like that who are in form. So I think there's certainly a chance for us to put a lot of points up on the board there and that is how we're going to beat them. So, I I yeah, I, I don't think it's going to, it's not a battle of the defences here for me. I mean, their defence is, yeah, it is a little better than ours, but I think the offences both have the potential to just lay waste to them on both sides. If we can, if we can just put in enough plays there, maybe we'll see something and, Stafford can use his arm. Now he's got his deep threat back. Because like I said, if you've watched these previous two games, he's not really had the deep options to throw at so far. And now that he's going to have one in, hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that. So from a neutral point of view, I'm really looking forward to watching it. Cause, but um, there is hope there, but it, it's not going to be from the defence standing up. I think I can say that safely. <laughs> Last word, Martin. No, I, I, I mean, I agree with that. I think the only way we're going to score, uh, sorry, the only way we're going to win any games this season is by having to go score for score with teams and hoping that the defence can pull off the occasional stop. And I think maybe when we do get some bodies back, you know, Trufant and Coleman come, back, come into that defence, it's, it's starting to look a little bit stronger. But yeah, I, I think you just we're just going to have to go score for score with them on Sunday in the hope that we can we can do that. But you know, I thought that was the way we we're going to we we're going to run Green Bay close, and then that obviously dried up after the first quarter, and then we know what happened from there. All right, lads, that's that's good stuff. I uh, just reiterate: recording our pod on Thursday, dropping on Friday, which is the Cardinals preview, expanding on what we've talked about just now a little more. There will be a watch along for the game on Sunday again on Zoom. So if you want to hear that, please drop us a DM at Rural the Lions One on Twitter or on any of our social media platforms, Instagram, the Facebook group, UK One One Pride Worldwide. Um, Otherwise, it was good to have you boys. Thank you for that. We will see you on the pod on Friday. Go Lions!